You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. My dad likes going through McDonald's and getting the senior coffee. I don't know if he likes the coffee as much as he likes the fact how cheap the coffee is. But either way, he likes going through, and he likes going through in the morning to get a senior coffee and a biscuit with egg. As I was talking to him the other night on the phone, he was telling me that earlier that day he'd gone to get his usual from McDonald's, and when he pulled up to the window, the person said, the car in front of you just paid for you. That impressed him. He was blessed by that. Maybe you've had that happen to you. I I actually have had it happen to me, and I've had a chance to be that car in the front. It feels good. It's a great thing to do. But there are also acts of generosity and compassion that really require a lot more. And it's sort of mystifying to consider how would someone do that? Matt Jones a man who lives in Petoskey, Michigan, father of five children. Back in 2008, became aware of a need to which he said yes, a yes that was challenged by other family members and friends saying, that's too much, you shouldn't do it. But he did. He got on a plane and he flew to Phoenix, Arizona and there donated a kidney to a total stranger, Barb Brunel, a 53-year-old grandmother. The surgery went well, and certainly we measure that because Barb came out of the surgery, everything going well, her life once again having new health. But also it went well because it set off a chain of events. Barb's husband, Ron, had wanted to donate a kidney to his wife, but his kidney did not match up well for the transplant. So once Matt flew all the way to Arizona to give his kidney to Barb, Barb's husband, Ron, decided that he was going to offer his kidney to someone else who may need it. And over a period of time, he was matched, actually fairly quickly after his wife's surgery, to another person who needed a kidney. This person was in Salida, Ohio, So Ron, the husband of Barb, who received the transplant from Matt, flew to Ohio to give his kidney to Angie. And Angie received that kidney, who had been on dialysis three times a week for 11 years. And that surgery went well. And the chain continued with now Angie's mom choosing to do the same thing. She offered her kidney to someone who would need it. A match was made, and on it went. That first generous act of Matt to offer his kidney to a total stranger set off a chain of donations to people who needed kidneys that last count at least went to 10 people, all receiving kidneys from people they had never met before but from people who were motivated out of the generosity of the person who had blessed their family member. Now you want to talk about changing lives. You want to talk about being motivated. 
to be able to offer something. That story astounds me, and it's a real story. It's, it's actually something we can celebrate as a part of how we're able to help people in this world today. This act of generosity is motivated not out of self-interest, not out of moral obligation, but out of something much deeper. And I think we begin to discover what that is as we take a look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, again, I know this is a story that most of us know well. Even people who are not church, who are not religious, know the term being a Good Samaritan, maybe can tell part of the story. We know that this story takes place in the time of Jesus on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is that road. Now, as you look at it here, we're looking at the road somewhere in the in-between towards the end of the journey. When it comes out of Jerusalem, Jerusalem itself being fairly blessed with water and relatively compared lush surroundings, a person who leaves Jerusalem then travels towards an arid land. And this road is about 18 to 20 miles long. So in the story, we have the context that it occurs on a road 18 to 20 miles long. It occurs in a desolate area, in an arid desert area, a place that would have been very difficult to travel, and a place in the time of Jesus that was rife with violence, robbery. It was a place where people tried to travel together in caravans, but once in a while, as in the story that Jesus tells here, this man went alone. Now, we know that what happens in this story is the arrival of different characters to this man who was um, so put upon. First, of course, were the robbers who came upon him, who beat him up, who stole from him, and left him to die. And then we have, in order, the priest and the Levite, both, as you know, pass by the other side. They don't want to have anything to do with it for all the reasons we could begin to try to guess. But they were afraid that maybe the robbers were still around. Uh, they didn't want to get involved. They knew that by touching this man, they would be made ceremonially unclean according to Jewish law because you can't touch the blood of someone else. Whatever the reasons were, they found it easy to keep moving by. And then the Samaritan. The Samaritan person comes along. And here's in the reading of the story that I began to be taught by the power of the Spirit a new lesson. Now, the Samaritan comes to Jesus, and it says in the Scripture that he was moved with pity. Some places it says moved with compassion. And that's the learning. I'd heard that before. I knew all about that, but I went a little deeper. The actual word in Greek here it is on the screen in front of you. It's pronounced splagnitsomai, splagnitsomai. Say it with me, splagnitsomai. Splagnitsomai is a Greek verb. It means moved in the depth of your bowels. It means a gut feeling, a drive from deep within to take action, to do something. The Samaritan was not just mildly moved by compassion. 
he saw a need and was so moved that deep within his gut, he was compelled to take action. And here's the thing I also did for the first time. I realized how much action he took. Consider, one, he stopped, right? That's something that the priest and Levite didn't do. He stopped. Then, moved by compassion, splagnizomai, from that deep feeling within his gut he had to do something, he not only stopped, he went to the man. And after going to the man, he bandaged, bandaged his wounds. He then put him on an animal. He could have left him there, but he put him on his animal. We aren't told what it was. You can think donkey, whatever you want to think it is. He puts the man on his own animal, his beast of burden. He gave up his ride, if you will, for this man. He then takes them to an inn with intentionality. He didn't just drop them off at some byway. He takes them to an inn. He takes care of him, which implies that once he got to the end, he made sure the man had water and food and medicine and, of course, shelter. He then paid for his care. He didn't rely on someone else to pick up the tab. He didn't rely on this man to pay for his own well-being. He paid out of his own pocket. And then when he gets ready to leave, he says to the innkeeper, what? Of course. When I come back by, I'm going to check in. I'm going to make sure he's okay. I'm going to make sure you took care of him. And any costs you incur in the caring for this man, I'll pay you back. This Samaritan was not motivated to do one thing. He was motivated to do all of these things because of spagnitzomai, a feeling in his gut, a compelling from deep within. There was nothing that could have compelled him as a rule or an order or a moral uh, direction other than that which came from deep within who he was. What motivated the Good Samaritan is something deep within. It is to act without limits. It is to be motivated to do whatever is necessary for the welfare of others. It is to experience and practice radical, life-changing generosity. And in this moment, how many lives were changed? Well, of course, the man who was beaten up and left for dead by robbers, his life was changed. I'm going to tell you, as a matter of fact, I know that the Samaritan's life was changed. If not radically changed, at least deepened in this behavior that confirmed that living with life-changing generosity was in fact the right thing to do. I'm going to guess that the innkeeper, at least, was also somewhat astounded and maybe considered something different for his life as he watched what this man did for another. All of this occurs because of spagnizomai, a willingness to be motivated out of that which we feel deep within. This understanding, this way of living, is a particular way to live. It is one we have to choose to take on for our own life. And in this congregation, we have made such a choice. Back in 2014, we were talking about ministry expansion, and we were talking about it in the context of how could we reach more people for the sake of Christ. We were talking about that in terms of the kinds of programs we offered kinds of connections we made to the community. And it led us to the conversation that you know very well ended up 
to the place where we made the plans, made the commitments, and have built the building that we now have today. The ability to do all of that came from that which was deep within us. We felt convicted to do it, not because it was the right thing to do. In fact, there were those who suggested there aren't any other churches going to the level you're going. How dare you go that far? Because it's within our deepest sense of feeling of what's right. It's our compassion and our commitment to serve Christ. We've got to do this, and we did, and people responded, and we built this building that we currently have today. Just this past week, I spent time writing thank yous to those who are continuing their contributions to the uh, building fund to make sure that we're able to take care of the remaining debt. So we'll be debt-free not too far into the future and continue to expand ministry. We are also continuing to recognize that this building, right before we went into COVID, was already becoming a community center, a community center where people knew they could come and find care and compassion to discover that there was a heart of a church that wanted the best for them because deep within our hearts, we knew that's what was right. Now, we come to this moment, and I'm sure some people have thought, I know some people have thought, why do we spend all that money? Why do we put all that effort into making that building? It's sitting there pretty empty right now. Well, yes. Although I would admit it's starting to have a little bit more stirring within, and plans are underway for us to continue to try to find ways to open it up further. But we're always going to do so out of the stirring within our heart and deep within our gut to make sure caring for others is at the heart of what we do, which includes keeping it closed until we are certain that we can open it up and offer it with certainty that people will be safe when they come in. And here's the other thing. Yes, it's been shut down for a while. And yes, we're all trying to figure out what the future holds, but we know this. This building in the heart of this congregation is ready when the moment comes, when we open up, to immediately launch ourselves into once again being a place that people can come to and that goes out into the community offering to be in service, to care for others, to offer programs that change people's lives, to help them live wholly connected lives. That's who we are because it's within our gut. It's who we are. And while we go through this time of challenge, that feeling doesn't change. We don't have to give up on that vision or that understanding because right now that remains true. The external cannot take that away. Now back when we began to talk about all of this, we talked about it in ways of thinking of our heritage. John Wesley was motivated as one who had great thoughts but didn't have faith in his heart. Finally got to a place after time of self-examination and conversation with others and openness to God, where on a particular night, he felt his heart strangely warmed. And in that moment, his mind of faith and his heart of faith became connected. Spagnitzomai. And he had to act. He had to do something for Christ, and he did, which led to the creation of the Methodist movement. That's a who our forefather was. It's the heritage that we have received, and it's a heritage of this congregation going back to its very beginning. 
So now we claim as a core value, life changing generosity. Not because it's new, but because it's become clear to us in a new way, we have to live this out because it's what God has compelled us to do and we want to offer it to the world like the Good Samaritan. Remember that the story of the Good Samaritan came out of a question, right? Jesus was asked by a lawyer, what do you have to do to inherit eternal life? What's the limit? What do you have to be able to get to? What's the minimum requirement? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan to suggest it's the wrong question. For us, it is not about what is it that we have to do It's what we're called to do. It's what our faith deep from within us compels us to offer to the world. And it's happening right now. Now, I know we've celebrated the food pantry ministry a lot over these last few months because it's been vital. But this past week, I was outside in my yard and I looked across to the church And once again, I saw a car pull up to the church when no one else was around. It was later in the evening. And I saw this car, one that I'd seen before, come up to the church and walk up to the free free food pantry. And I saw the individual look around to see if anybody was seeing them, and they didn't see me. And they went up and they got food. And they took it and put it in their car. And watching that, I thought of so many things at the same time. The blessing of what it is to know that you can go someplace without judgment or reservation. And if you need food, go here. You can get it. And the other thing that went through my mind was to celebrate the fact that once again, that was made possible because of the heart of this congregation. Because you've raised up youth and adults to think that's the way you ought to live. So Sam, Brendan, who was not even barely into high school at the time, was motivated out of the core value of life-giving generosity to say, can we do something to feed people where they don't have to come in the building at certain times? It's just available for them all the time. And she did it as a Girl Scout project, but she did it because you gave her that heart. And because she, who has a great mind, Sam's a very bright young woman, but she has a great faithful heart, came together and motivated it. So yeah, I'm celebrating that again because it needs to be celebrated on a regular basis. Not just her action, but how her action reflects the tradition of this congregation. We've been raising up children and youth to live and believe this is the way you're called to live for much longer than I've been around. It's who you've always been. And we proclaim it today as who we will always be. Monday night, I'm sorry, Sunday night, I went over to Cook's Dairy with the high school and middle school youth groups. Now, I was with them on opening night as they started the fall season, and they are meeting. Uh, They meet on Sunday nights. We've been doing it outside in a wide variety of ways, and it's been a lot of fun, a lot of energy. And I went with them to Cook's Dairy because why wouldn't I choose that one to be the one I go to, right? His ice cream was great, but what was also great was to watch all of the kids and to spend some time with them and some devotional thought. But what I was really blessed by was to watch the adult leaders who are giving up of their time to volunteer 
to support this ministry. Now we know that Jeremy Dean and Michelle Rousseau are the ones who are giving leadership and doing a great job, but they couldn't do it. And they'll be the first ones to tell you if they didn't have these adult leaders. And these adult leaders are amazing. I'm gonna name them right now and I'm gonna look at my list because I don't wanna forget anybody. Uh, you've got in the middle school group, Don Wood, Sam Rennick, Kristen Miller, Ryan Guzel, Nate and Kelly Carter. And then for the senior high group, you got Sarah Dio, Tom and Sherry Snudden, Tommy Bullen, Brian Posby, and Jimmy Todd. These adults come together on Sunday nights to join in the programming and to be a part of the programming, to build relationships with these kids. And I kept thinking, where else could you be on a Sunday night? Well, you could be home. You could be winding down from a long weekend, getting ready for a long week. You could stay home and watch the end of the NFL football games. All kinds of things you could be, but they choose to go and be with these youth because they know how much it matters. And I'm especially inspired when I take a look at the senior high youth group leaders and, and you've got kids there that you raised into these wonderful young adults who are choosing to come back because it meant so much in their life. So Tommy Bullen and Sarah Dio and Jimmy Todd, I give you a special shout out because you choose to live life-changing generosity by making yourself available to the next generation. We get to choose how we live. We can choose to stay frustrated. In fact, I've been talking with people, and can I be honest with you, I have felt my own self, a little bit of the frustration of how long this has gone on and how long it might go on. Have you? I've even heard people say, you know, I'm really done with this. I'm done with having to put up with what I have to put up with. Aren't we all? But we get to choose whether or not we will give over to the frustration and despair, whether we'll pull ourselves within, or whether we will be those who live with the generosity that comes from guts that are compelled out of faith and love of Christ. We could choose to be the priest and the Levite just to sort of shut down and let it all pass by, or we can choose to be the Good Samaritan. We can choose to be the ones who right now in the midst of this still shut down world find a deeper path and a deeper connection to Christ that then compels us to find ways to serve and care for others through the church and in our personal lives, in the neighborhood, in the broader community. We do this because a core value of this church is life-changing generosity. It's who we are. And not even this world right now can stop us. Fyodor Dostoevsky, sort of an odd reference. I've never used him in a sermon before, but there's a point of his life I want to reference. Uh, you know, he was a great Russian writer, crime and punishment, so on. But at one point he got sent off to Siberia to prison. He was there for four years. And while he was there, he did a number of things to reflect on his life, including read the Bible. Now, his biblical interpretation is radically different than mine. But the point is, as he came out of prison and left Siberia, in the middle of Siberia, he had his heart warmed up. He began to recognize the need to not only think about things, but feel things. And there's a term that comes out of that era of his life that many have pointed to. It's called felt thought, the feeling of thought the connection of heart to mind. Well, for us as Christians, for us as Methodists, for us as Clarkson United Methodist Church, felt thought, the ability to feel deeply in our gut 
the love of Christ and care for others radically and to use the best of our mind and the best of the minds around us who can counsel us and guide us in healthy, holy living. All that comes together and compels us to live in a particular way. Today, I'm going to invite you to celebrate that we get to be part of a church community that knows that life-changing generosity is how we're called to live. It's where we find our greatest joy. It's where we change the world, and it's possible for us right here and now. But I also want you to celebrate it in your own life today. What do you need to do to find that life-changing generosity exploding as you live your life tomorrow? You're not going to find it because I compel you to do it, because I tell you you have to. You and I are both going to find it when we go into ourself, into our hearts, and open it up to Christ. We begin to feel and think together and live in the world the way in which Jesus taught us. That's how we find it. That's how we live it. So I'm going to invite you to be in prayer today and in the days to come that your heart will feel like Wesley's strangely warm, that you'll feel deep within your gut, not pain, not ache, but hope and a compelling drive to do something for the sake of Christ and to care for others. That's what we get to do. That's who we are. When the lawyer asks Jesus, what must I do? I hear in that, how long is this going to go on? I'm really tired of all this. And the answer that he got wasn't what he expected. He didn't get platitudes. He didn't, give the base, he didn't get the base minimum of what you have to get away with. He was told a story. A story of the Good Samaritan that said, your question's wrong. Here's the real question. As a way in which Martin Luther King Jr. said it, it's not what must I do, it's what happens if I do nothing. What happens if I don't put myself out there for others? What happens to the other? And how will my own life be diminished? No, the right question is this. What do I get to do? What's possible that I could do for others, for God? How can I be more present in this moment? How can I be open and allow the stirring of Christ to be so filled within me that I'm compelled? Spagnitzomai to go do something for the world. May we live out this core value. May we celebrate how it comes from our inner being and defeats everything on the external that would say, now's not the time. Jesus said to the one who was questioning, you want to know what to do? Be like this guy. Spagnitzomai and go and do likewise. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.